minus three with Dave Damashek. Hey, hey, hi, and hello, sports fans. The weekend's here. It's close enough. College basketball is definitely here, right on the heels of pro basketball, where the Lakers are bad, the Celtics are worse, the Warriors and the Wizards are good. Hench's Bruins, my Penguins looking up in the standings at Spaghetti's Rangers and the Florida Panthers. Speaking of Panthers, Kenny Pickett v. Sam Howe Thursday night on the banks of the Three Rivers. We talked to Lance Zerline, draft guru, the other day on Minus 3. Go back if you want a deep dive on some of the names that you'll be hearing next spring now and look smart to all your pals about the QBs that are going to be drafted high next year in the draft. Um, and even more Panthers, perhaps the biggest news of all. Cam's back in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll get into that. Penn State catching a point and a half at home v. Michigan in the Jim Bowl. Harbaugh v. Franklin. NFL game of the week. Browns at Pats. No Nick Chubb. No Kareem Hunt. Mac Jones. No Fs given. All he's doing is doing the Patriot way. Cheating right in front of everybody. What are we supposed to say? Any of uh, you know what? We need to do an offensive meter here. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Odell. We'll talk about officiating. Let's get into all of it. Fanduel.com slash minus three is how you bet along with your pals here on minus three. Follow all the fun at minus three pod. And with that, there's Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. And there from his manse somewhere in the San Fernando Valley is Kevin Hench. What's the poop, Hench? How are we? Well, as as any NFL fan should be, I'm I'm still in a blind rage from the events. About Mac about, Jones trying about, to steal a guy's foot or his shoe? That wasn't First of cool. all, I agree. What, like, I guess you could call holding, but like, you're, what is, I don't even know what the complaint is. Like, yes, it was an awkward result, but like, you grab a guy who's trying to recover the fumble you just left on the ground. Like, I don't even know. I really literally have no idea what those press conferences were about. What's he supposed to do? Just let I don't go. know. I'm just, I'm just jiving you. But to show what no, a there's... great, great guy I am, I want to say here and now, as I have said all week long since Monday night, the Cassius Marsh um, taunting thing was an atrocity. Um you know, the the ongoing attempt, I, you know, this competition committee thing when they when when the league pushes out their their cools, a.k.a. the younger head coaches like Mike Tomlin, like, hey, you can't really say um, it's Squaresville if Mike Tomlin is in favor of the taunting penalty trying to clean up the game like head coaches in pro football are not the beacons of hip and now including Mike Tomlin. So I don't care what they think. And we talked to Mitchell Schwartz on Extra Points yesterday, and he made a great point. I think that was him who made the point, or was it Marty Weiss, Eddie Spaghetti? Either way, if Mike Tomlin and, or otherwise is gesticulating and arguing and finger-wagging and shouting down referees, isn't that a bad message for, for the youth of America, too? Isn't like that? Isn't that kind of taunting or being egregious in in um, in in, in conflict there? I, I mean, that was. But by the way, it also has obscured other terrible calls that the officials failed to drop. It's the an epidemic. It's an epidemic. The, the NFL officials are so bad. So obviously, the the message before every game, like a, the league needs to have a representative in the officials' locker room, saying like, "Guys, in 
you're gonna you're not good. You're not good at your jobs. That's guaranteed. Um, don't go above and beyond. Like, don't look for calls to ruin this game. You'll probably ruin it anyway with your regular wrong judgments, but certainly don't go searching for extra 15-yard penalties to award the victory to the wrong team. Like, these fucking guys are so bad at their job. Um, imagine, this would be like NFL officials are the equivalent of a, of a cab driver who hits a telephone pole every shift. Every shift, he crashes his car. They're so terrible week in, week out. I mean, that Aaron Donald roughing the passer penalty that took all the interest out of what could have been an, a fun game, a fun thing for the fans. The the helmet-to-helmet Bengals-Jets call on third and long. So, so the Bengals would have won that game. The Steelers would have lost. Well, that's two games in the standings right there that the officials have just decided we're going to steal a game from this team and we're going to give a game to this team. And by the way, well, by the way, the Steelers would have been in the Super Bowl against the St. Louis Rams if a referee hadn't overturned uh, the tuck rule. So, I mean, if you want to get in the wayback machine, I'm just, I just uh, if you if you're announcing a Steelers well, look, loss, the point I'm is they're a terrible. It, my point is they're terrible. Not who who does the referees being terrible benefit the most? I know, I know. I mean, I, I, they I, should I have those. They should have those standings too, though. Here's what the standings would Boy, look wouldn't like that be the best? That's suck. the next step. Good point, Hench. We need here's, to track this so that the, the conspiracy theorists out there can say, like, the team, they always give, I get a ton of that. When a call benefits my team, I get a lot of social media uh, stuff announcing to me, what else is new? Your team always gets, They my team always gets the calls. Jesse James got the call in the end zone in Heinz Field against the Patriots. Always gets the call. Anyway, yes. I, I like the point that is, as a side. They're yes. so they're, the, the officials are so terrible. And by the way, once you know they're terrible, which obviously we have a quite quite a bit of evidence that they're not good at their jobs, you have to open everything up to review. You just have to say because you can miss every call, therefore we need to be able to back you up uh, in in super slow mo because you can't do the job. And and I don't. And anyway, so the, but the the. NFL schizophrenia, like they're like, hey, Tomlin, we got to clean up our game. Really, you, you've you, you've got guys brandishing guns, making death threats in videos like you think you, you got to you got to clean up your game with a guy glancing at the sideline of the team that just released him. That's where you got to clean up your game. And by the way, not too long ago, if if two guys celebrated, if two guys in the end zone were like, hey, man, we did it. High five. And then another guy said, yay, we did it. And th then it was a then that was taunting. It was like, hey, you can't have a choreographed. Too many guys celebrated that touchdown at the same time. Then they went, oh, fuck it. That that's not taunting. Now the entire defense can have a photo shoot in the end zone and a bowling tournament in the end zone. That's not taunting anymore. That You guys can go nuts, but if Jalen Ramsey and DK Metcalf are banging on each other all game and one of them woofs, one of them goes, I got you, ha-ha, that's a 15-yard penalty. It's it's a disgrace, and it, and it, is, it, it really reveals the gap between – the guys who play the game 
and the 65-year-old insurance salesman who call the game because if you had any understanding of what it takes to play that game, to beat a double team, to sack the quarterback, you wouldn't be giving a guy a 15-yard penalty for not rotating his body in midair so he doesn't land on the quarterback. I'm fucking sacking him. What do you mean I landed on him? Like, it's so out of control. And the reason I'm so upset is because I love the NFL. If you love the NFL, you should have spent this whole week in a blind rage. You you, you know, driving to work, going to the grocery store. It, any Every second of this week, <laughs> you should be furious that these fucking referees are ruining the game. And then jackasses like your beloved Mike Tomlin are going, that was a good thing. Hey, the fact that they ruined the Monday night game, that was awesome. We got to clean up this game. You're fixing a problem that doesn't exist. Zero fans give a shit about taunting. Nobody cares. I don't care if Doug Baldwin wants to do the dirty turd in the Super Bowl. I'm delighted that the Patriots benefit and, it, and it's an instrumental in their comeback. But I don't care. I don't care if Randy Moss wants to pretend to moon, do an actual moon masturbate in the end zone. I could give a flying fuck. I just want to watch football. I don't care about how these guys celebrate their sacks, their touchdowns, their broken up passes. Let them be human beings and fucking take you. All, the goal of the NFL should be to remove power from the officials. Who are the worst, most inept people on the field? The officials who, who have almost no standard, like the players have to clear an incredible bar to be on that field. These fucking refs suck. So they're out there. So what do we do? We Well, we have to make sure that the players are deciding every game, not the officials. What does the NFL do? What does Roger Goodell's NFL do? They go, hey, uh, what chicken shit thing can we emphasize this year? How can we give more power to these inept assholes? And by the way, you know, obviously a lot of people – Going, uh, are we, do we have a Tim Donaghy situation here in the NFL? Was that was that Tony Corrente call a Tim Donaghy situation? Now I don't think these terrible refs are wagering on the games. The problem is when the outcome is exactly the same as if they had a hundred thousand dollars on the game. That's a problem. You got to admit, Roger Goodell, you have a problem when the when the conduct of the officials is in keeping with somebody shaving points. It is. I, I mean, first of all, here's the bad spoiler alert for you and me and anyone else who cares about, you know, uh, the game and, and allowing players to be portrayed as human beings, not robots without emotion. Um, you're, I don't know how they would ever unring this bell. What are they, you know, as opposed to like, all right, Maybe we were up on Mount Pius when we said no dancing in the end zone with your teammates. How exactly do you issue the message or do you just like never call it again and just let it go, which is the NFL's response to a lot of things like let's just ignore this issue people are belly aching about until people move on to the next thing to be outraged about. How are you ever going to undo the taunting rule? Like, yeah, we're abandoning it because – if you announce that, then it, then you are going to get more finger wagging and all that. And you know pro football doesn't want to do that because there's a weird instinct that I think you can explain by corporate partnerships and everything else. It's the same reason you wind up with Brian Greasy in the booth um, over someone compelling because he's vanilla. He's as 
I, you can't have an opinion on on him. He he's almost impossible. Which, ironically, as we've discussed, makes him annoying because he's so vanilla and lacking in any insight. He he gets you going. But there's a weird need to infantilize, infantilize, infantilize the fans, the players. I mean. The crap infantilize. Like, infantilize. 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 An infant, a middle infants, schooler would know that word, but I, now that I've been infantilized, I wouldn't, an, I don't know. In, an infant would have done a better job pronouncing that word. Infantilize. Literally an infant. Infantilize, yes. At least someone in, uh, yeah, someone in 10th grade would know what that word means, but or how to say that word. Either way, yeah, it's a weird thing that, you know, it's just sanding off the edges. It's there's never actually an addressing of of legitimate like we talked about. I think the turn of the millennium was a big come to Jesus for the league when Ray Lewis won the MVP. And I'm sure there was a lot of hand wringing in league office in the league office back then. Like, what are we going to do? How do we how do we balance this? The MVP of our biggest game is an accused murderer and a murdering accomplice or whatever. And it was like, oh, no one really seemed to react that much. I kind of informed things. And then Goodell came in. He's like, I'm going to clean this mess up. And then he overreacted in some situations. And people said, I mean, that guy, you're going to penalize. It gets ugly quick when you're like, well, he wasn't charged with a felony. So how many games are you going to give out? You're talking about your superstars, about like level of charge and what that equals in, in suspension and all of that. It gets ugly, so then Goodell backs off a little bit. And all, I mean, all this around, then you start talking about, in the same way, the, the you know, the taping of opponents by Belichick didn't get punished harshly enough. So then a decade later, it's like, well, Deflategate, we're going to make that right now. All that kind of vigilanteism and all that kind of stuff gets weird. And... Then you wind up with this, like I say, sanding off the edges of stuff of like no taunting as though that's the issue that what people uh, uh, fans uh, care about. Uh, You know, the other thing that these just they're they're so bad. I and NHL refs like one of the things I really like about the officiating in hockey. We've talked about this, but it's like they know the situation. They know how much time's left in the game. They know, like, the whole idea of, like, swallowing your whistle is like, okay, this is a penalty in the first period, but it's going to have to be egregious late in the third period of a tie game. We're not putting you on the power play. Obviously, if it prevents an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, we're going to put you on the power play. But I like that understanding of the of the situation, whereas the NFL, these guys – I think they're so confused by the whole product that they're officiating that Carrenti doesn't understand, okay, fourth and a mile, fourth and a mile, the Bears are getting the ball back. I am changing possession with this call, right? I am going to drastically change the game. Now, if if a team gets a first down, because these 15-yarders, they're doing this thing now, like, right, you get a first down, you jump up and you woof at the guy, They throw the flag. It's a 15-yard penalty, first and 10, right? So you're just moving the ball back 15 yards, first and 10. That is a non-killer way to um, infantilize the players with your control freak league. 
but it doesn't destroy the game. Changing possession is is a killer. I mean, it's like, it, you know, both the helmet to helmet in the Bengals-Jets game and, and that taunting penalty, they basically change the outcome of the game, obviously. And so, I and, and, and look, I just was reading about these C.D. Lamb uh, fines for his shirt being untucked. And obviously there is this component to the taunting penalty, the, your shirt's untucked. Like, never forget, never forget who's in charge. Never forget that that you serve at the pleasure of the league, that we have all these chicken shit bullshit rules where we can keep you in line. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's just that, that you know, moment. Well, it, it is literal uniformity that the league seeks. It, it, it benefits the league for you for the players to be less celebrated than they are. It's not great for Odell Beckham to be a human being or Aaron Rodgers to be a human being or really anyone else. What matters more are the 32 brands on the side of their hats. That's that's what that's owed to. It's it's keeping them so that they don't stand out. It's it's not letting belly show or whatever the CD <laughs> Lamb's trying to do, but of course, it becomes preposterous when you set it next to Aaron Rodgers doing what he did. I mean, in direct violation of the rules, but the standard is lower apparently for that for that uh, violation than C.D. Lamb's cut. Yeah, the of, fine, of his the fine is it's, lower. I mean, it's just loco. The the next time C.D. Lamb's shirt comes untucked, it's a fifty thousand dollar fine. It's just insane. It's yeah, totally I mean, insane. listen, it, it it's. Obviously terrible. And like we've talked about, the reason that we are more, I, I think it's, I don't think it's as people say, like, oh, officiating's never been worse. One, there's more on their plate. You say, um, why not? Why don't we have referees? Why don't we tell the referees to stop looking for garbage like that? It's the exact opposite. Look for this. Hey, yeah. you know how you screw up all the conventional calls? Here's a little bit more for you to think about. Subjectively analyzing whether or not that fits his taunting. Was he trash talking him or did he merely glance at his foes to let you them? You know what? Just you decide. You decide. It's up to you. It's up to you. You're terrible at your job. You decide who's going to win this game. And by the way, speaking of searching, how about the phantom cut block on TJ Watt? Like, this cost him a touchdown. Like, it's like, okay, not the spirit of the rule and didn't make contact, but go ahead and search, search, search for to throw your flag because that's that's obviously your most exciting moment at your work day is to throw your flag, get on national TV. This is exciting. Look at me, gang. Look at me ruining this game. I, I, I mean, currency should be suspended. I agree. It's insane. It's insane. You can't be that bad at your job. And, and, and then, you know, he would say, well, the league has told me to ruin the game. <laughs> Which you got to, but you've got to reduce it. You've got to reduce it and make it as fundamental as you can. What kind of human being decides at, you know, at, at the dawn of their professional time on uh, the big blue marble? You know how I'd like to spend the rest of my days judging people. 
That's what I want to be. I want to, I, I don't want, I mean, it'd be cool to play, but that, that, that's probably off the table for me. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to be out there and, and lord the rules over everybody. What kind of weirdo is that? So right out of the gate, you know you're dealing with someone who's not right. Some sort of sociopath who wishes to be a part of things by, by lording the rules over all the people who are better athletes than he is. That's a, that's a strange you know, choice. You know, it, before my knee surgeries, when I was playing in multiple soccer leagues out here in LA, you know, three times a year, the ref who was making 30 bucks, 40 bucks, I don't know, would get attacked. He would get physically attacked by the other team. And he'd run to his car. Like it was like, it was, it was dangerous. It was like, and I'm like, this guy must love refing. Wow, this guy must really love refing because uh, there's no cameras and there's no law enforcement, and these guys want to kill him. And the, by the way, the game's over with 20 minutes left because the ref just ran to his car, and we're like, "Oh, I guess that's I guess that's that." <laughs> Who would do it? Who would do the job? No, it's creepy. It's like uh, you know, hey, yeah, I want to coach this little league team. Oh, so your is your kid on the team? No, 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 no. I just uh, I just I love can't. rules. I just uh, just blew into town. Uh, you know, I've been traveling a lot, been a kind of a on the move drifter. Anyway, uh, big fan of the hit and run. Let's get these kids out here. Um, all right. Oh, I'm, I'm, but one last thing to to round out uh, where where you kind of started there. It is weird. The 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 self own that I bet they would love to have back is putting Gene Steratore on TV. It doesn't help. <laughs> like, you know what will really help inform the fans out there is to have a respected official um, give a second opinion on the call on the field that almost always contradicts the call on the field. It, it, it's insane. <laughs> it's first of all, it. But why is it instead of talking that instead of talking to the TV audience? You know, the technology is available for Gene Steratore to, to get into his pal wearing the striped shirts ear on the field and be like, hey, uh, you got that one wrong, man. You should just yeah, uh, pick it up. Just pick let it that up. go. Pick and it up. and it you just heard what I did there. That took 2.7 seconds. I, why? In addition to all the rest of it, it takes 11 minutes for them to to arrive at these bad decisions. That's that's just another thing that we've accepted. Well, that's yeah. I mean, of course, they have to look at it. They have to. We know the answer in 2.7 seconds. We watch the replay like, oh, yeah, no, his foot's on the line there. Oh, no. Well, you know what? Contextualize it just a little bit as human beings. Cassius Marsh, Cassish, I can't infantilize him, um, was cut by the Steelers in September so of course he's going to look over at the sideline. Of course he's going to do that. He's a human being. He, we're living vicariously through him by saying, "Yeah, good for you, man. Good for you to do that." And and he gets a yellow flag. I don't know that it flips the game ultimately, but yes, okay, I, I'm with you. The larger point you're making there, yeah, it's yeah. Marco. It's not like the Steelers got a field goal in that position and ended up winning by two. I don't give a good goddamn. You know what? What I say? I don't care. I don't care. I said. I don't um, care. I said if they go, if they win three to two, is fine by me. Journey, not destination for Steelers fans. This jive that's emerged now that I saw on television the other day after the game that like not an impressive win for the Steelers. They could have lost that game. You know that was the Bears. They almost lost that game at home. Yeah, who who said they were Super Bowl contenders? They it, they're five and three now. This is ahead of what a lot of the pundits thought they were going to be. 
I think it's delightful. Beat the Lions. That one scares me legitimately, and you can laugh. But if they're six and three, what a fun journey it's been. Whenever, way ahead of where most people had them. Cam Newton, though, now back in Charlotte, North Carolina. You spoke out against number one being the starting QB in New England. Which should we talk about first, Cam, or do you want to get into some game picks here, Hench? Um, let's do our picks. Okay, let's do it. And you then start talk us off. About, uh, talk about Cam's journey to Canton. And also, it's Veterans Day at the time of this recording. Eddie Spaghetti put on the rundown. Best war movie. We should do that, too, by the uh, by the end of the show here. A lot of, lot of good ones to, to choose from. Indeed. Go ahead. Start right. us off. My, okay, my best. Okay, so last week, I loved those Giants. I loved those Giants. I, I, I was my best bet right out of the gate. I loved the Giants. Uh you know, what the Raiders have been going through, it's just, it's unsustainable, you know? And so my other uh, note on, on the Raiders was like, when it, when it ends, it's going to end fast and bad. They're going to, they're going to go on a bad run. Like they, they, they've been, I don't know how they've been holding it together, quite frankly, at all. But uh, this, this schedule that has the Chiefs coming to town is just terrible for them. And the Chiefs are are only giving two and a half at Vegas. And um, I like, you know, I know the Chiefs are flawed, but they're going to win that game by more than a field goal. Uh, that is that is my absolute best bet. Um, That's your blah. best bet of the weekend. You know what? I like coming in hot. I'm throwing the red challenge flag on that one. The Las Vegas Raiders are going to win that game straight up. I like they they we've seen it over and over again. It's something I point to a lot is matchups styles make the fight and all that. For whatever reason, the Raiders do well against the Chiefs the last couple of years. I don't think that's owed to John Gruden. I think it's their ability to play power ball, which if John Gruden's responsible for that personnel. Then I guess he he does deserve some credit for it. But either way, I the Raiders are, as you say, last week was an absolute mess i mean you know that, that was awful they're you know for all the weirdos like jason williams like why are we not talking more about henry ruggs in that situation because it's abjectly awful what's there to be said about it and sports networks aren't inclined to throw their football talking talent out there to break it down because it invariably moves into what feels soulless which is a football discussion like how does this impact the Raiders and as you say you picked the you picked the Giants and so did I last week because it's like these are human beings playing the game they're got to be messed up from from yet another awful thing to happen to you know in, in their locker room anyway they've now had another week and I do think they can pull it together I don't think anything's fixed with Mahomes and company and unless prayers up for Odell and prayers up for Mahomes. <laughs> I hope they, those two can find each other in, 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 out in the uh, pro football abyss out there. They deserve each other. But in the well, meantime, I, I just it, think like, they're going to bang them. I just think the Ranger, Raiders are going to are going to are going to run the ball at them, and and um, you know they're going to the the Chiefs will continue to struggle on offense. I mean, keep in mind Jordan Love. It, it was like, oh man, oh my God, was I? And when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, and I was wrong that Jordan Love was going to go in there and and take it to the Chiefs, but. You know, a missed field goal and a blocked field goal away from that game feeling very different. I mean, like the the Chiefs still stunk everybody. They they were terrible. They put thirteen. What's 
the the Packers only scored a touchdown. Their excuse is their uh, Hall of Fame quarterback was out. What what was the Chiefs' excuse for only hanging thirteen on the Packers at home? Do you think uh, that because I was I thought it was fairly insane that the uh, the Chiefs threw on third down at the end of the game. Looking at the clock, it just seemed like you can milk this thing pretty far down. Punt. Then Jordan Love has to go the length of the field with a minute. 10 left, has to score a touchdown. Yeah, has to get has it to, in the end zone was the key to me. It's a people you know, get side, like, they forget, like, I, he's got to score you, a touchdown here, not, yeah, not getting like, the field goal you, range. You've got to run the ball there and run run some clock. And uh, not only did they pass, but Mahomes did that thing where he rolled, he went so far backwards that you're like, oh, sliding to the ground now is problematic because you've you've given them a big chunk of yardage if you have to punt from here. So then when he let fly uh, to to for the kind of classic Mahomes completion um, to seal the game, maybe the Chiefs are not going to be terrible for the rest of Mahomes' career. Like it's not possible. He's excellent. Maybe that play was the return to normalcy. You sound like in, Chris Collinsworth. Let's see right there. That's old Chiefs. That's what you expect from the Chiefs. Like, yeah, well, then he should do that multiple times over 60 right. minutes. That's I you, if you say that sounds like Chris Collinsworth, and I'm supposed to take that as an insult, you're out of your I mind. Like Chris Coll- I, no, he's, I like Chris Collinsworth. He's fantastic. Too. Okay. I think he's great. And also, game, before you move on from that game, it must be noted perennial contender for uniform matchup of the year chiefs at raiders if the chiefs wear their red dungarees oh it's it, it it's as good as it gets although it's diminished a little bit by the dome uh replacing in the east bay especially during baseball season when the chiefs <laughs> would go in there and there would be the infield out there that was the best that was that was when uh, that was it is it's at its loveliest but this will still look good so long as the chiefs show up in the red pants Okay, so my next pick, if you look at like, you know, so much football is all about uh, ebbs and flows and vicissitudes and, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows. If you're the Washington football team, this could not be worse for you. Bucks coming off a bad loss with a bye week to get right. Like this, this looming bloodbath in, in the nation's capital, the bucks are, are giving nine and a half that the Washington football team is bad. I I actually thought they were going to be decent this year. Uh, APB on, on chase young, right? What I thought this guy was Lawrence Taylor. What mm-hmm. he's got one and a half sacks. He, you watch, you know, a quarter and a half of a Washington football team game you don't hear his name, it, and it's not like I, it, well, I, I wouldn't know because I wouldn't uh, bother to watch a Washington football team. You game gotta, like you gotta have all the games on. You gotta take it all in. But so, so you know, he, he's supposed to be this generational talent. Uh, he he's invisible, and that that Bucks killing machines coming to town with a pissed off Tom Brady and a, and an angry Bruce Arians, and I don't I don't think they're gonna take the foot off the gas. That that number is too low. Uh, that that I doubt you're going to throw a red flag here because you know that that that's a double digit. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because I I think I am leaning Washington there. I mean, you know, double digit wins are hard to come by, 
And I know they're coming off a buy and all that, but I'll debate that one in my in my brain a little bit more. But that's a fine pick. But what do you pick right now? Hench, we talked about it. Uh, Spaghetti and I did on minus three earlier in the week. To me, this the I, I heard um, I can't think of who it was. I think it was DeMarco. Fa- I, who, I, I can't think of who it was. Um, said that Lamar Jackson is being unfairly sort of regarded. We just accept his dominance in the same way we do LeBron James, and we're sleeping on him a little bit, Uh, how great Lamar Jackson is. Of course, he should be the MVP. He should be the MVP every year. I definitely get the Lamar Jackson MVP resume this year. But to me, Tom Brady is the guy who we kind of regard like LeBron James. Like, Tom Brady is 44 years old. He leads the league in passing. I mean, he's the... More touchdown pass. I know he has great receivers and everybody else. Like I said earlier in the week, he's the big winner of week nine, even though he didn't play. I mean, like all the other would-be number one seeds lost. They did him a favor. I think, you know, his killer mentality, he's not going to let up now. He's like, boy, we gave one away in New Orleans. Now they opened the door back for us to get that number one seed. I think they're going to get it. I think they're going to the Super Bowl again. Um, but who's your MVP the, is the answer. On the MVP question, I would I would to your point about Brady's weapons, I would just lean Lamar because there's that's a one man show. There's Absolutely not there's great. not a lot going on on that offense and he is personally matriculating the ball up and down the field week after week after week. Uh it's it's pretty crazy. But that said, you you'd uh You'd you'd rather be Brady in terms of chances of uh, winning winning the uh, championship, obviously. Um, now this pick, I, I, the the Rams and Chargers are seven and one against the spread on the road, and I think that people don't when you when you don't really have a home field advantage or not as big a home field advantage as the other teams have, then you get then there's not as big a disparity. Like when you go on the road, right? And so the Rams, after laying an egg and, and Matt Stafford basically literally throwing the game to the Titans, um, only giving four at a Niners team that we have to start considering terrible. I mean, that Cardinals loss, no Kyler Murray, no Nuke Hopkins, no A.J. Green, Chase Edmonds gets hurt. You get blown out at home by the Cardinal. What just happened? What mm-hmm. just happened? So um, I, I think the Rams get right against the Niners. And then the other thing we have to talk about with the Niners, on, on pace for double-digit losses for the fourth time in Kyle Shanahan's five years at the helm. Now, he timed it right because he had the two terrible years, Super Bowl run, and, and looks like he's having his second consecutive terrible year. NFL coaches don't lose double-digit double games four out of five years and keep their job. I agree. You can allow for – I'm a little bit harsh, I guess, but yes – you know, staying in San Francisco, and I know it's another era, so it's hard to completely compare the two. But Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, after Super Bowl year, I mean, they would dip down and miss the playoffs. People, you know, Brady wins his first Super Bowl. Didn't they miss the playoffs the following year? Nine and seven. I mean, it it it, it happens. But two years of double digit losses counts as protracted in pro football at this point. 
Um, I'm I'm with you. I I don't know what to make of it though. And then you add to it at this, you know, now don't you go to Trey Lance? Like, don't you need to try to find a spark? I mean, just in the name of we use the third overall pick, it's hard to justify. Yeah, I deserve to hold on to my gig because I really felt strongly about with John Lynch. We have to go get this kid. He's a special talent. Like, all right, then put him in, put the special talent in over the league average QB you have in there right now. And I would I would argue it's a better way to keep your job would be to show some promise and development with the kid that you're establishing a relationship with. You've got to keep me around because I've made even though even though we went five and 12, I'm making progress with the kid. You don't want to bring in a whole new system. You know, I think going eight and nine with Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to secure your job more than going six and eleven with Trey Lance. I don't. I agree. Like you got you just why why not get that process started in and, earnest? And also, it's funny that people always say, "Well, you need a vet behind a bad offensive line." Can the vet run? Because I'll take the young guy, McGlinchy, now out for the Niners for the rest of the season. That's more reason to put Trey Lance in. He can run away from pressure. Jimmy G is, you know kept clean dependent like you think jimmy g's a playmaker off script when when the pass rush is all over him he is not trey lance at least gives you a chance in that regard to you know put some pressure on the defense by having him run at the edge right yeah it's it's very weird i don't know but the rams though that was a stinker they threw out on sunday night too i'm this is for me a stay away game okay because four Um, on the road i don't know monday night I like those Rams. Okay. I, you know, I think like you got to flush that. You know, I, I don't know. Stafford just just threw the ball to the other. These team, are your man. best bets. They're not mine. I'm just yeah. providing a little um, bit of pushback. That's all. And I do, you know, want to uh, congratulate you on your your Purdue pick last week. Very sage. It just played out exactly as you said it would. Hmm. Well, you know what? I'm 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 smart. I know. Not like everybody I hope says. I hope. <laughs> Um, you know, so you do know what they're saying. Okay. I didn't know if you if it admitted <laughs> oh, back to you. I'm fully aware, but okay. the good news is there's no one who bad mouths Damashek more than Damashek does in his own brain. Damashek torments Damashek, not even in the waking hours. I'm mean, waking hours for most people. I'm walking the floors at, 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 at 3 14 AM, just wondering where, you know, what it all means and, and, and uh, how I screwed it all up so badly. I don't know, but we'll get into my best bets now. And then we'll hear Eddie Spaghetti's there. Who's been awfully quiet so far this show. I don't know why he's not chiming in there. Eddie Spaghetti, everything. All right. I'm I'm let you know Hench take the floor. He was he told me before the show he's pissed off about the refs. We've been texting about it, so it was good. Uh, and I will say I, I gotta I gotta give my my best bet. So we'll get to uh, momentarily. Uh, I don't I did not love the NFL. Like I had no feel for the NFL lines week. So I give uh, credit to Hench for picking uh, three NFL games because I had no feel. Well, I can't wait to kibitz here about the Browns and Patriots in just a second. Um, I will go with to start Eddie, it off. On a second. Eddie, Eddie's right. He's reminding me how upset I am about this officiating. <laughs> okay. So, like, we all have that thing we love more than anything in the world. And for Shaq and me, it's, it's our kids, of course. But, like, if you love art, like, if art, if, if art is your thing that you love more than anything in the world – and you go to see the Mona Lisa 
and like you're waiting in line to see the Mona Lisa. And then uh, Tony Carrenti comes in and takes it, uh, uh, takes it down, puts it on the floor and shits, he shits on the Mona Lisa. That's basically what he's doing to the thing I love more than anything in the world, except my kids, uh, which is the NFL. I, I, I just, I, you know, third and seven in the NFL, like you're so locked in, you're so interested. The product is so good. This idea that you would risk Tony Carrenti shitting on your product is insane with no repercussions, zero repercussions. He'll probably, he'll probably do the Super Bowl. Holy Christ. <laughs> so what Carrenti did was put, Doug Baldwin didn't have the courage to do what Carrenti did in Heinz Field on Monday night. Now, Carrenti went all the way. He went all the way. I'll tell you this. He, you know, Carrenti was um, Armando in the White Lotus. Carrenti <laughs> actually shit. In the suitcase. Well, you know what? Serendipity, serendipity, because you have led me in perfectly into my first best bet. This isn't specific to the weekend. But I always say about Cam Newton, people who can't appreciate him are people who go around the finest museums of Europe and only regard the Mona Lisa and Renaissance painters as truly skilled. And they turn their nose up at the modern art offerings. They don't go to they don't go to the MoMA or to the uh, Musée d'Orsay if you will, to the or or to the Pompidou, to where there are more modern paintings. But my eye allows me to appreciate the modern genius of Cam Newton. He doesn't play like Tom Brady or Dan Marino or any of those guys. He's his own unique thing and that's special. Like I've told you okay. before, chili isn't a soup, it's something better. It's its own thing. That's what Cam Newton is. He, no one has ever been like that in pro football history. Why people can't appreciate that he had, up until a couple of guys beat him out in the last decade, at the time, that was the greatest rookie QB season in pro football history that he had. Then, in 2015, he goes 15-1 and one throwing the ball to Philly Brown. And he goes to the Super Bowl. And all anybody talks about is he didn't fall on that fumble. And I don't know exactly what happened on that fumble in the Super Bowl. But nevertheless, he was in the Super Bowl and he won the MVP that year. I'm telling you now, if he takes this team to the playoffs, and I don't know, maybe they make a little bit of hay there. Maybe he's got to win a wild card game or something like that. But in my book, I don't think the voters will ultimately agree, but... Good news for you, Cam. Dave Damashek gives you his non-existent Hall of Fame vote if you if you do that. He needs one more chapter to his already iconic career. And as far as that goes, I looked at FanDuel just before we started here. Carolina's win total, where do you have it? Where do you think their season win total is now? Eight and nine. Six and a half. Go get number one and do it now before they change that, right? Get that and get it quick, everybody. Six and a half. Um, Cam Newton's going over that. I think I understand what you're saying. Just, just so when Tom Brady throws a spiral, it it looks like a Rembrandt, and and when Cam Newton tries to throw a spiral, it looks like Picasso trying to paint a face. I get your cute jokes, it, but also it, it, Tom it's, Brady. It's like, what happens when Tom Brady? That's not what a face looks like. 
That's what my kid, when my kid tries to draw a face, that's what it looks like. That's bad drawing. You're bad at drawing, Picasso. This is bad. But Tom and, Brady never trucked a guy trying to tackle him and then kept on running. Peyton Manning never did a somersault into the end zone and landed on his feet. Those things also count in pro football. But is it? But to your point about the greatest rookie season for any quarterback of all time, it isn't Cam Newton's career trajectory exactly the problem with having your quarterback truck linebacker. Yeah. Well, listen. You, you, yeah. So you have to adjust so, your eye once again, just like to a a, 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 a say. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Andy Warhol. All right, that uh, paintings of Campbell's soup aren't going to endure. Two hundred years from now, people aren't going to swoon over those. But in uh, for a, a more limited period of time, Rembrandt will endure for the centuries. Maybe Picasso won't. Does that diminish the quality of the work? That's a that's a debate for another time. It, Cam it Newton's a genius. It's, Cam Newton's it can't a- be diminished because it starts terrible. So there's nowhere to go. <laughs> but. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is the same. We tell you, guys who take a physical beating, as it turns out, are going to wear out more quickly than the guys that never get touched. I, re- you I refer have, you to Wayne Gretzky. You must have lost your mind when Seven kept the ball on the on the run pass uh, option. And he, I love. It, it took him eleven seconds to get to the to the first down. Marker. I love it. Why do we sing songs about Elway when he does it in helicopters in the most overrated Super Bowl play I've ever seen in my life? And that includes Denver Broncos teammates. I'm like, boy, Terrell Davis. I'll talk. I, I talked to guys on that team and have said, boy, the greatest defensive performance maybe I've ever seen in the Super Bowl is Steve Atwater, who was hammering guys on pretty much every play that game. And Terrell Davis, what a what a performance, just rugged, 158 yards in three quarters, misses a quarter, and they're like, yeah, but we really, you know, that Elway some, uh, helicopter. I'm like, that's what you care about? They're like, yeah, it was our quarter, it was our old QB doing that. Somehow, he gets songs sung about him. Ben Roethlisberger is a punchline for doing the same. I don't care. I, I say we've got 10 games left to get the double-digit wins and a playoff spot, and that is a... Uh, that's a happily ever after in my book, if that's how Roethlisberger goes off into the sunset. Now, I say get Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers over six and a half in wins. Next, I'll give you a college football one real quick. Penn State catching a point and a half from Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. Wolverines now at six. It's about time. The one make good, as much as I complain about college football and the horrible structure of their their assessment of who belongs in this final four what does step in are the football the college football gods intercede and they tend to peel away a bunch of those teams that think they're they deserve to be in the mix there's an injustice afoot here in the state of michigan michigan state beat michigan a couple of weeks ago and somehow michigan state is behind michigan now in the rankings how did that happen it makes no sense penn state makes it right they will defeat uh, the visiting wolverines i hope the wolverines wear their white pants because those look very nice on the road um and lastly there's so many pro football games spaghetti i hear what you're saying about some tough lines out there i'm gonna go with for my best bet in foot you know what i'm gonna ride them as I have all season, with mixed results. But it's about time to hit the gas, Justin Herbert. Chargers and company at home against the Vikings. 
Given only three? Oh, that's not nearly enough. Give me the Chargers minus the three. Spaghetti, how say you? Well, you spoiled one of my picks, so I'll, I'll add on to you. But I agree with the Penn State uh, over Michigan pick here. I almost wanted to throw in Purdue because Purdue's been the, the the team that spoils every good team, Iowa, obviously, uh, so Ohio State this weekend. But, yeah, Jahan Dotson is arguably the best receiver in the country, even with Sean Clifford. He's pretty limited at quarterback. Um, and Michigan, you know, Vegas putting this line so close for a one loss Michigan team and a three loss Penn State team is kind of telling mm-hmm. that they think these teams are pretty even. Penn State has better wins than uh, w- than Michigan does. They Penn State also beat Auburn, who could play spoiler later on the season for some SEC teams, too. So, I, I mean, their body work is good. I mean, Michigan may be the more complete team, but I, I think at home uh, they're going to get the job done. So I agree with you with Penn State there. Um, oh, wait, I just thought of something, though. You're right ex- about everything, except I was wrong. The The Wolverines need to wear their maize pantaloons because Penn State will wear their whites, and I don't like it the same level when both teams wear white pants or white helmets. It doesn't look right. So I'm sorry. I had to make that amendment. Continue. Moving on to Calgary. Uh, my Calgary Flames pick here versus Ottawa uh, for my second best bet. <laughs> Calgary is really good. What's so funny? <laughs> November. November Flames sends action. Well, I, like I said before, I think the NFL lines here are tough, and I, you know, no one, no one gives any love to the NHL pick, so I'm going to give you some NHL okay, picks, I and like this it. is an easy one. Ottawa only has three wins in the year; they're not that good. Calgary uh, has been really good with seven wins, right behind the Oilers there in the Pacific. Uh, they're they're a good, fun young team. Elias Lindholm, Johnny Gaudreau, obviously, um, Andrew Mangiapane, who's who's scoring. He's come out of nowhere. Really, I know everyone. No one's going to watch the Calgary Flames playing Alberta, West Coast, Canada. But they're they're a really good, fun young team. And Ottawa is just not very good at all. No talent there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking either. at property up in Alberta. I got to leave uh, the USA. It's looking like sooner rather than later. So that's it's just hard to convince a U.S. citizen to sit back and watch the Calgary Flames. But if you do, they're a fun team to watch. And um, like I was saying, Ottawa just has no talent really on that on that team. And they're probably be giving a goal and a half on the road, uh, Calgary. But I'd still like that. So. I, I would say that, or you want to go money line Calgary, that's fine too. But you know what would be fun is if one of of Sheck or I said, "You're out of your mind." <laughs> like if we, had a, if we had a big, we just came over the top real hard. Oh my god, the Senators! First of all, they're playing with a lot of grit. They're playing with a lot of grit. They don't have. I agree, they don't have the most talent, but nobody Senators five zero <laughs> oh and three against the spread on the road in November. No. I, in their last I, 17 games played in advance of American Thanksgiving at home, the Sens, yeah, that that's a, a classic Pete Axelm slash Harry. Uh, Bruins just struggled with the Senators, so who knows? <laughs> They're struggling with everybody. Continue, Spaghetti. And uh, to round out my picture, I'll give an NFL pick. Um, and I guess out of all the games, this is the one I feel the best about, but don't feel 100% great about. But, uh, hence, don't get mad. I like the Browns getting a, uh, a point and a half here at the Patriots. Why, you ask? Well, it, you know, the Patriots did beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Outside of that, they've only beaten Zach Wilson twice, Davis Mills and Sam Darnold. Not, not going crazy over those wins. And reversely, you know, Browns' offense looked pretty good last week. 
They're, I think, like top, they're top five or six in DVOA. They're number one in pass block win rate, number one in pass rush win rate. Nick Chubb, according to the AP, still maybe play, like he may play this weekend. Oh, really? So, I thought he was announced yeah. as out. Oh, okay. I, I just read from Associated Press that he said he's, he's still likely to, he may play. Even if he doesn't play, I mean, they have enough running, like Dernish Johnson can do the job there running back. They're a, a really good run blocking team. And I don't know what the, explanation is but maybe they just were better without Odell Beckham I don't mean Baker didn't have the best game of all time but he seems to you know without him as a distraction they seem to be okay I really don't know if if the Browns are a great team and I can't tell if the Patriots are like sneakily very good but if I had to pick one I like the Browns get a point and a half in this game real quick a word from our sponsor I think I th- the Patriots very reasonably can still win the AFC East. The Bills are not, and I'm not just pointing at them losing a game against the Jags, although that is a dreadful, inexplicable loss under any circumstance. That's insane. But, okay, one game doesn't define the, the season for them. I think the Patriots can win the division, but one thing to watch for is, I mean, if if Chubb plays – those will be some of the most severe collisions you'll see in a pro football game all season. The way those Patriots defenders are bringing it this year and Nick Chubb, you know, is looking for contact himself that I kind of hope he plays just to watch it objectively. But the loser of that game is really then, I mean, most people don't think the Patriots are going to beat out the bills anyway, but if they win that one, I, I keep saying it. Belichick's going to get Josh Allen at least one of these two games, I think. And then it's really in play that the that the Patriots might win the division. If I think the Browns are going to win the division, but a loss here, and we're recording before the Thursday night game, assuming the Ravens have, have survived the, the Dolphins, you're getting far enough away from them that it's hard to reali- realistically close that ground. About Odell... Hench, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the desire from the Patriots. Apparently, Belichick really wants them. We know the Chiefs, the Packers, supposedly the Raiders had some interest. Um, He has interest in New Orleans for nostalgic reasons. The thing with Odell is, as it's been explained to me by pro football players, Steve Smith, Antonio Brown, Santonio Holmes, Odell Beckham. There are certain guys who are um, cagey enough out on the football field that people will point at them and say they're running bad routes. What they do is they can feel and see where their quarterback is and where, where their quarterback needs them to go to, to get the target. And that confuses a guy like Baker Mayfield. There are only so many quarterbacks or a small handful of guys that can accommodate freelancing like, Oh, this guy's breaking off his route, but he's coming back to me. And also maintaining where his progressions are. Baker Mayfield's not one of those guys who can track Odell Beckham doing that while also like Jarvis Landry is right where he's supposed to be. That confuses most guys. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, prime Ben Roethlisberger, and and a small handful, like I say, of guys can, can make sense of what's happening when that's going on. All that said, so if Odell lands in KC, I think that's a big win. If he goes to the Packers, I think he'll uh, he and Devontae Adams and Rodgers will make music together. If he goes to New England, I think that's a mess. Yeah, it's funny that the Patriots have. I, I mean, they signed Aguilar and Bourne for forty nine point five million dollars, 
and we have nothing outside the hash marks. Like nothing. This is like the offense does not essentially include wide, wide receivers. We Everything is between the hashes. So you would think like, well, gosh, you have nothing outside the hash marks. You must be interested in this guy. And I'm like, no, still not. Still, like that's my like, and maybe part of it is what you know. I hadn't heard this this deep inside baseball football, but I certainly don't think Mac Jones would fit that category of a guy who can. Improvise. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, so yeah, so so for for another for all reasons, OBJ should should not show up in Foxborough. Um, but I also think, you know. There's a there's a level there's a personality you know there's there's a headache that you accept because the on field performance makes it worth it and I I just don't the you know the numbers you know obviously we all play fantasy football nobody wants that guy in their starting lineup like he doesn't catch catches and score touchdowns like so I don't know who he I mean I guess if if he's playing opposite, you know, Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, he doesn't have to do that much. Although I'm with you on this complaint about the Chiefs. Like, yeah, McCole Hardman is a fine third option. Like, what? how good is your third option supposed to be? Is Patrick Mahomes the most talented guy to ever play the position in the history of people? Or can he not make it work with the best wide receiver and the best tight end in the game? <laughs> well, which is it? Like, what? Miko Hardman's exactly. not a great third weapon. for. I, I don't care. I mean, Tom Brady did okay with Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola, for goodness sakes. Who's the real deal? Um, and by the way, that's speculative on my part, of course, what I'm saying about Odell, but that's how it's been explained to me. You could really see with – who cares about the deep dive about this in the in the Wayback Machine? But you could see in the late the, – the last season or two with Roethlisberger, who at that point was philosophically by the design of the offense, getting rid of the ball quickly. That's when he and A.B. really started to struggle because A.B. was – rounding off right it looked like what is where's Antonio Brown you could see Roethlisberger was frustrated that's what I started to talk to pass catchers and defensive backs like why is AB just not running good routes and that's how it was explained to me no no geniuses get that they can do that Roethlisberger had adjusted his game at that point to get rid of the ball and so AB he's looking up for AB and he wasn't in the right pl- spot and he was trying to jam the ball into him and that was leading to some bad picks and discord between those two guys but yeah I don't think Mac Jones and Odell Beckham make a ton of sense I do wonder Odell would I mean the Chiefs are the perfect spot for him because they figured out in the copycat league bracketing uh, 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 Travis Kelsey kind of takes him out of the game well you wouldn't be able to do that if 13 is also running underneath and Tyreek Hill's running go balls I mean what what exactly are you going to do as a wait are you are you just giving Bobby Pringle's number away? <laughs> Touche. Touche. There's going to be a, a powerful negotiating. Another another stupid thing. The worst of all, talk about infantilizing fans and players and otherwise. This this thing of, of Von Miller. Hey, Von, you're forever a Denver Bronco, except for the portion of time after which we traded you. 
but don't worry, we'll sign you to a one-day contract. Who is that for? These are all grown-up people, including the player and the who are who does this? Who cares? Oh, he, oh, he saw, he retired as a Bronco though, even though he went and won a Super Bowl with the Rams and we traded him away and everything. Else. But he's still a Bronco. What the who cares? It's a, the the it's the lamest, most pathetic conversation that grown-ups have amongst themselves. And I, like I say, I'm not sure who it satisfies now. What's your hold pick on, for this? Hold on, hold on. It's, it's, you know, what I was like, I was like, okay, so you just kind of do the shorthand of like referring to Beckham as 13. And then I'm like, I know that, I know there's a 13 on the Chiefs. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm kind of taking a risk. I'm like, I'm not positive, but I'm going to go for it. His name's Byron Pringle. There you go. Bobby I was so Pringle. close. I was so close. Bobby Pringle yeah. is the heir to the Pringles chips throne. <laughs> Bobby Pringle, Byron Pringle, but this ne'er do well at Cornell. This this speaks to the drop off after the best tight end and best wide receiver. <laughs> Some guy, I don't know, Pringle, <laughs> but he is number thirteen. Give me your Browns and uh, and Pat's pick here because I, I guess this is what I would say. Just listening to Spaghetti explain his his take on it. I think I, I go, you know, this idea that there's not a big drop off to De Ernest. And his 4940 is insane. I, I know he had a nice game against the Broncos, but I would take the Browns if Chubb plays and the Patriots if he doesn't. That's that, fair. That, that so I guess be, we have to wait that one out. I you know what I do like? I haven't I, do you see the the uh, total on that game, Spaghetti? Because unless it's like 29 or something, that game's it's 45. Got, that game 45. 45 and a half. half. Really? Oh, man. Right right now I have 45. It's the Browns getting a point and a half, and the total is uh, 45. I kind of want to go on. I mean, I definitely want to go under that, but that's so weirdly high, it makes me feel like it's a trap and I should take the over. How are those two teams going to combine to get to that point total? I'll tell you this. I'm, believe me. I'm living and dying more than a grown man should with what the Pittsburgh Steelers do on Sunday or Monday night football. Um, and they should not be given a touchdown to any pro football team. And that includes the Detroit Lions. Eight and a half is where that number sits. No chase Claypool. I mean, I don't know. Just survive. Again, three to two is fine by me. Just get the six and three before they get into the meat of the schedule. I do not like the Steelers laying eight and a half for anybody. How say you? But wouldn't you say part of the reason the Bears rallied, I mean, the reason, was Justin Fields can move. He He's, you know, he, because the, the the Steelers get push on every snap. They are they are coming at you and, and TJ Watt's a problem. And if you put Goff in the exact same spot that Fields was in, I don't I don't see how the Lions uh, survive that Steelers pass rush. I hear you. I don't know. I mean, listen, Roethlisberger, it's there. There are are one to three plays a game, maybe even more than that, where it's kind of like, ooh, that was uncomfortable to look at. It's kind of like when you're having a catch with your friends and then one of your friends, like you've never seen him throw a ball before. And it's like, oh, he doesn't have a great arm. I would have thought. But then there's the one guy who's really like, you know, like De Niro in uh, Bang the Drum Slowly kind of thing. Like, you know, or is that Tony Perkins? Either way. that Well, Tony Perkins is Jimmy Pearsall in Fear Strikes Out. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah. Also, I think that's the gold appara- standard. Apparently, the audition did not include throwing a projectile. Jimmy Pearsall won a throwing contest against Willie Mays. 
and we're going to get Tony Perkins <laughs> to play him in a movie. Either way, um, when you when you when it's revealed that one of your pals has that has that arm, it it it's not something you make fun of. It it crosses a line, and you feel sad and you feel uncomfortable for having been there to witness it. There are a couple of those. When Roethlisberger's trying to pump fake and the ball comes out of oh. his hand and stuff, and like you say, when he once runs. Once a week, once a week, it's like the ball's on the ground. I mean. And you're like, I don't know what the replay is going to say because he also, so it's like he does the pump fake, and if it squirts out when it's forward, but sometimes he gets it coming kind of tor- back toward him, and then it's like, oh, that one squirted backwards, which is just a fumble. Yeah, uh, he can still whip it though sometimes, and I'm fine with well, it. But the problem know, is, ben, the problem for them is they have no wiggle room. And the, as you saw, Ray Ray McLeod. Okay, it's a ten point game. All the bad calls, everything. All right, the Steelers are going to win. And then I take a deep breath, and it's like, great, Ray Ray McLeod fumbled the ball, and now it's a touchdown. And now the Steelers are going to have to scratch to survive this game. They just they can't, you know. The, they do that against the Lions or the Bears or any any other bum team. This is they are susceptible to lose games, obviously. So I, it's hard for me to be enthusiastic about the Steelers pummeling anybody. Um, I like the Chargers, like I say. Give me the pack at home against the Seahawks. Russ, interesting return, but uh, three and a half is uh, is what the Packers are given. I think that's enough for them. And I go against you. I'm going to take the Raiders at home. Um, plus the two and a half and those are my best bets the other one Matty Ice what do you think about this they're in playoff contention now very quietly and the the bottom feeders of the playoff contenders in the NFC like we've talked about Hench Matt Ryan's Falcons are now one of them and they very quietly are winning games plus nine feels like a lot or do you take the home Cowboys there it does feel like a lot uh and I'm, but I'm still in the severe PTSD of having almost everything I did last week connected somehow to the Cowboys. Oof, obviously blowing out the Broncos. Um, the Cowboys were the first double-digit favorite to be trailing by 30 points in 20 years. <laughs> that that that. that was the worst performance by a double-digit favorite in two decades, um, which, of course, I had just I just got on the Cowboys to win the NFC. Um, I like them in a couple of teasers. Um, I like the Broncos under 20 and a half. I, you know, I thought that Cowboys defense had turned a corner. So now I'm just confused. Does the defense suck again? I know Randy Gregory is out, but nine, nine and a half does seem like too much, but uh, the Falcons are not very good. But and, does but doesn't Dan the, the the thing that actually the reason I like the Falcons plus nine is because Dan Quinn is coaching the Cowboys defense and he certainly knows what Matt Ryan's tendencies are down to the nitty gritty. Shouldn't that give him some edge on how to on on how to get after two at some point? Like in this situation, I know two's going to look in this direction. Well, wait, and- wait. That's so. That's an argument for the ca- taking the Cowboys. You're right. What are you saying? I don't know. Cut that from the okay. show. Now, you, you guys are both. You guys are I know. You're talking double digit favorites. Today. You're talking. You're like, I don't know. You know why? Because I got sidetracked with. You, and you're making all these Falcons arguments. And then you go. You but Dan Quinn, I'm like, OK. I'm being egalitarian. Now, listen. OK. The, um, that's why it's a stay away. The, that's right. 
thank you for making my point. No, what my head got fuzzy when you said the biggest double digit uh, favorite to be trailing. And I was going to make a bad joke about uh, the Vietnam War. Um, and that brings us to war movies. Full Metal Jacket. One of my top three. How say you, Hench? Uh, well, it's funny that we we both are going st- straight to Vietnam because uh, I, I recently rewatched Apocalypse Now and the um, the Hearts of Darkness documentary about Apocalypse the best, Now. The best. And I, I just, it's so great. It holds up so well. Um, and when you... When you really look at, when you watch the documentary, Spaghetti, watch Hearts of Darkness, the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now, you know, there there should be a degree of difficulty uh, adjustment, like with a triple axle. What Coppola did to, to get the movie made, every part of it was impossible. Monsoon season in the Philippines, he's... He's requisitioning helicopters. The helicopter stuff is the craziest. I love it. it. It's so crazy. We may need these helicopters back in the middle of your shoot to go fight our war. Okay, uh, you know, well, can I have them for the morning? And it's so iconic, the ride of the Valkyrie, Duval. um, And then there's stuff in the documentary where Coppola is talking to Dennis Hopper, who is basically – disappeared into that character to the point where he just doesn't know any of his lines. And Coppola's like begging him. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. If you could just learn your lines just a little, like just do your thing. You're doing great. I love it. I love it. But you got to say these words, not in any order, but I'm begging you, please. So I just feel like when you watch the movie, it's incredible. And then when you watch what it took for him to get that movie on the screen, that to me is number one. I will say more recently. I'll say I'll say this: Duvall is for a lot of people steals that picture, and I and and I get why they feel that way. But Sheen's, by the way, Sheen's voiceover throughout. I know that's supposedly a a, a no no to to do voiceover in features, but he but it but. There, there, there's such gravity and the way he kind of whispers his lines. He's just the best. Um, and that chunk, I know a lot of people find the Brando chunk repellent, but I, I, I love that. I love the dialogue in, in, in the in the darkness there. I also love in the do- the documentary those meditation sessions <laughs> for like two what two weeks, three weeks with like Brando's Brando's got a Brando's got to talk. He's just got to like walk around and talk with uh, Coppola for like weeks on end about like what this is about. Like what? <laughs> it's crazy to me that that just goes oh on like, God. hey, Marlon, I know you're a legend and all, but come on, man. We've got to make uh, make hay while the sun shines, man. This is costing us millions of dollars here, pal. Just do the lines already, would you please? Yeah, I love I love the picture. There's I, I, I could talk about Apocalypse Now forever. Um Charlie don't surf, but with Duval, I always think it's worth repeating. Um, go watch Tender Mercies and watch Apocalypse Now and recognize that that's the same guy nine years apart. That's the same actor nine years apart doing those two roles. It's crazy, let alone let alone Tom and The Godfather. That range is the best. Uh, more recently, I loved 1917. I love it too. 
That was incredible. The five and, uh, minutes, also, the five minutes after he wakes up from getting his head bonked are my five favorite movies of the 21st century up there with the 20 minutes in Kill Bill 2 when Beatrix Kiddo, uh, after uh, what's his name, gets bitten by the black mamba on the face through the through the sword fight in the trailer. But that when he wakes up and that that's real. I watched it again last night. It's insane how much I watched that. And I watched it last night and I always like. Is that a model that the guy's walking through when he wakes up? Like, that can't be real with the flares in the sky. And then, like, oh, well, they can't cheat that. There's no faking that shot. That's they that. Where is all that stuff? Where does that exist on the planet Earth? Did they build that for the movie? Like, he's walking through and it the way it's lit is just crazy. It's like they have spotlights on it, but it's not flares in the sky and the music. It's the best. It's the best. Uh, and Dunkirk, I liked quite a bit. Also, although some people had problems with the timeline, I didn't. I did. Uh, but I couldn't speaking follow of time, it. I loved it, but time, I couldn't follow the timeline of it. But Speaking of timelines, I feel like all I'm doing is uh, correcting you guys today. This makes your point, I think, better that Tender Mercies and Apocalypse Now are, are only four years apart. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Even better. 79 and 83. Okay. Because I was like... I know Tender Mercies was early 80s. So anyway. I always think of Apocalypse Now as 76. Okay. 79. Yeah. All right. That's it? That's the end of your list? I'll throw one more in there, and it's Glory. And, uh, you know, Glory's wonderful and all that um, for several. I mean, there's that, give him hell 54th from from the racist guy. Like, yeah, like get choked up. Do give him hell 54th. Um and the scene preceding that around the campfire that we've talked about, oh, my Lord, and all that. But I, in war movies, it, you know, what whether it was um, uh, Saving Private Ryan, obviously people celebrate that opening 20 minutes or whatever. In Glory, I mean, there were human beings in the United States of America who ran towards each other, not just with rifles, that you had to reload after you took one shot. I mean, like... It's, it's insane that, like, well, I took my shot. Hold on. Now I got to reload it. Gunpowder, please. Like, what? There are guys shooting back at you and running towards you and everything. They're close. They're right over there. Like, what the hell? I, w- I would have wept. The, you know, I'd be dead very quickly. But if I weren't somehow, like, how would I ever get the gunpowder back? I'd be crying the whole time. It would be soaked. The gunpowder would be ruined by my tears. But then you have a bayonet and like you run at other people and you're like, bah! or they like they do it to you. What the hell? That's insane. I, I, I can't fathom how terrified I would be. I would just do like it's there's a one scene in Private Ryan. I think it's Matt Ryan. In fact, at the end where he just is curled up in a ball crying because it's too much. That would just be Dave the whole time. That, that's all I would do until somebody uh, relieved me of of uh, my mortal coil. You know, I like. Well, it's so crazy how the Civil War is marked by um, suicide missions run against entrenched positions, and that uh, General Lee was the beneficiary of of those victories early on in the Virginia campaign, and then he just repeats the same exact mistake at Gettysburg. Like you, you were in the entrenched position in in chancellorsville and so you know you should not be charging the union position in gettysburg because you're about to lose the war but he was old he was tired he's like fuck it 
They'll make a Fuck statue it. of me eventually. Whatever. Let's Either go way. For it. Let's just go for it. All right. It would be funny if the if if the if the Confederacy had had listened to General James Longstreet, Confederate general, who said, uh, hey, the old man gacked it at Gettysburg. Like if Robert E. Lee had become known as the fuck up who who lost the war of northern aggression, which could have been that could have been the narrative. <laughs> Very good argument. <laughs> Sounds like you've landed on your next comedy, Kevin Hench. We'll let you go write that. There he goes. The great Kevin Hench. Enjoy the sports weekend. Great stuff as always, Kevin Hench. Eddie Spaghetti, I'm sure you're aware the NFL season is flying by, but there is the aforementioned big Monday night game, week 10. It's the Rams, it's the Niners, fan duels making it even bigger for you. Right now, 30 to 1 odds for new customers on either team to win. That means you can win $150 on a $5 bet. All you have to do is choose your side, easy peasy. All we ask is that you go to FanDuel.com and use the promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three, or do it FanDuel.com slash MINUS3. Also, same game parlays, always a fun bet to make there. You can do all sorts of prop bets. How many sacks do you think Aaron Donald's going to have? How many pass yards is Cooper Cup going to get? Is he going to get into the end zone? Stuff like that is what makes FanDuel so much fun. So get in there, FanDuel.com slash minus three, and we'll see you in the winner's circle. Or maybe we won't. But one thing's for sure, it's time to pay a little more mind to the sport that Spaghetti loves so much. I love it too. Hench does. Not as much as Spaghetti picking Flames and Sens games here in November. But either way... It's time for Spaghetti and Meatballs. What's up, folks? We're back. Spaghetti and Meatballs here for another week of NHL Talk on the Minus 3 podcast. Obviously, I'm Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs, who has uh, Ilias Sorokin as his name. And uh, we'll get to some Isles news quick. But Meatballs, first, I want to start up. We were just joking about it off air. You know me. I'm a big Jack Eichel guy. Obviously, went to BU dealing with the whole neck injury, not traded. We talked about last week to the Vegas Knights, which I'm very excited about. And he was just introduced and he did the whole goal, goal horn intro thing there and get the, the cradle riled up. You weren't a fan of that intro, though. You don't like what's going on in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, the intro is fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. It just, I don't know. His neck, neck doesn't seem to hurt too bad. Oh, so you're saying there's a little conspiracy going on. I don't know. I think he won out of Buffalo that bad. Which I don't I don't blame him. I, I As someone who's lived in Buffalo for four years, uh, I wanted out of Buffalo, too. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't blame him. I just think... It was a little, a little strange. I don't know. Well, their GM, Kevin Adams, said that things are looking up in Buffalo, and these, they're quite excited for their return in that trade and how the team's looking. They are playing above uh, expectations this year, too. Are you a fan of, though, the back to the Vegas? Are you a fan of like the whole uh, you know pregame intro, like the festivities going on nonstop? I never really asked you that. Like, do you, are you just more of like a, a blue-collar guy? I always want to watch my hockey and go home. No, I'm I'm fine with it. Like I think it's good for the crowd and everything. I, I personally am. You're not going to see me standing up uh, screaming in the crowd ever. Um, so, but if for for everyone else, it's fine. I don't I don't have a problem with it. It's a good atmosphere. It gets the crowd going into it. But I do what I w- do want to see is the Alex Tuck intro to Buffalo. I think they they owe him something equal as they did uh, for Jack Eichel in Vegas. So I'm looking forward to that. The Sabres should hire Little John and get their own goal horn thing where they could uh, spin and make uh, make a ton of sounds. Yeah, with sure. Get, um, 
you know, get half of Bill's Mafia up there yeah. to, to figure something out. Yeah. Well, uh, the team you do root for, the Isles, uh, you have some news with them you wanted to share? Yes. Uh, another edition of Rest in Peace, Leo Komarov going back to the KHL. So that, you know, this is where Lou Lamorell, you know, keeps winning GM of the year because he's putting on a masterclass of how to clear cap space, you know, with all his signings. He got rid of Andrew Ladd, uh, got rid of Letty, moved Eberle. And now, so he uh, frees up another $3 million almost for Leo Komarov. So I think they have close, it's close to $3 million in free cap right now. And that Jack Eichel trade to Vegas was actually good because he now moved uh, Boychuk's rights to uh, Buffalo so they can hit the cap floor. So now by the trade deadline, Islanders could have up to nine or ten million in free cap space, which well, is big. So I mean, if they're things are looking south, or even if they're looking good, and you're like, oh man, if we get one more good player, where there's no way we're losing this, or if there's an injury or something. They got plenty of cap room to do it. And coming into next year, too, uh, it's they have plenty of room, considering the only signing might be Dobson. Well, I, I hope you guys take that money and waste it on awful players uh, who don't contribute. Yeah, give us four 40-year-old um, fourth-liners. You mentioned the, the KHL, and I was going to save this uh, AHL news for the end as like a, a fun story, but you got me thinking about other leagues and uh, the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Now, the Seattle Kraken just announced that's going to be their new AHL team. And, uh, you know, it's only 90 minutes or so without traffic away from us here in Los Angeles, out in the desert, driving east. Uh, I'd love to go. To, have you ever been to uh, an AHL game before? Uh, I believe I was at a Bridgeport Sound Tigers game. Okay, there once. you go. I did have a Bridgeport Sound Tigers jersey, the old blue yellow one, but my yeah. my mom I think got rid of it, so I'm going to play this back for her to make her feel guilty. I I've been to a uh, Bakersfield con- multiple Bakersfield Condors games, which I believe are are still are the Edmonton Oilers um, AHL affiliate, and uh, was lucky enough to see a couple uh, NHL guys on both uh, the you know, obviously the Condors and the team they were playing. And I got I got to give props to the AHL. You know the you know the first of all this Firebirds logo is awesome. Like just mm-hmm. the team being out in Palm Springs is great. Uh, I'd love to go out there and, and visit and go see some games. And just looking at the other like H like obviously I root for the uh, for Wolfpack is the Rangers AHL affiliate. Awesome name. A lot of good team names across yeah. the AHL um, and a lot of good logos too. You, you know, you have there. So, I mean, you have your, your Hershey Bears, which is a, I, I've been to their stadium before. You have the, the Providence Bruins, which is like a funny play on the, what they put the P instead of the B for the Boston mm-hmm. Bruins. Just a lot of good. And you said the Sound Tigers, like that's a, that's a great name. Well, now, um, unfortunately, the, the Bridgeport the, Islanders. Now. Right. And they changed the logo. I know. Yeah. So yeah. it's all the, the Rockford Ice Hogs, Manitoba mm-hmm. Moose. Just some awesome, uh, some awesome names there. The Ontario Reign, I know, also copied off of the uh, Los Angeles Kings, like old school kind of logo there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, AHL, it's fun. You see, you go to a game, see a lot of uh, younger guys there who eventually get their their chance in the league and uh, good for the Kraken to put a team close to us. We have two AHL teams we could, you know, in theory, go go see uh, yeah. whenever we want with the Bakersfield about, you know, 90 minutes north. Uh, Coachella Valley, ninety minutes east, so that'd be that'd be fun. But now we'll get to the the real, the meat and potatoes of this, and uh, the big news: Nate McCannon out for three weeks, lower body injury. Um, and you know, I was looking at the odds on FanDuel, and if you go to fanduelcom slash minus three, you can place your bets there, uh, whatever you want within NHL and, and more. 
they're still the Avalanche are still plus five fifty to, uh, to win the Stanley Cup. So they're still the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, the team that's actually shocking, not really shocking, but anyone's been watching NHL. The Panthers have moved up to plus eight fifty, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure if they were. I think it, the way the season started it was the Avalanche, the Knights, and the Lightning. So the Panthers are now kind of unseated them. But the Avalanche are still plus two thirty to win the West, which is the favorite, and they're still plus one hundred five to win the Central. I mean, right now they're at what do they have uh four wins in in the central uh they have nine points they're way behind the, they have half the points of the minnesota wild with nine wins they're, the st louis blues are having a good year and, and shout out to you you love the winnipeg jets um who are having a good season as well 15 points there a lot of good teams above them here mm-hmm. and i know you said weeks back don't worry about the early on in the season but now we're you know inching towards like the quarter pole here I mean, you got there's got to be a little bit reason to concern here for if you're you know either bet on the Avalanche to go far or you're an Avalanche fan without their best player out for that long, uh, almost a month. I mean that that cannot be good. Unless I'm overreacting here, let me know. No, I think you're right because a team like uh, your Rangers is close mm-hmm. to 15 games already, which is you know if you do the math, it's close to 20. percent So now I do think if you're you know, worried about your team, it is valid at this point to be concerned. You know, if you're someone like uh, an Arizona fan, you're probably realizing you're you're done for uh, the whole oh, year. Yeah, yeah. But but um, you know, the better teams and the teams who are you know on the fringe, I, I do think it's time to it, it is time to be concerned if your team is not looking great right now. And you know, speaking of the you know the the Central and the Pacific divisions too, I, I think. You know, a team like Vegas, you know, you might start. I mean, I know they have 14, but L.A. and San Jose and Anaheim are playing very well. Yeah. So they're another team where I think you you kind of got to look out. I think L.A.'s won almost, well, like seven in a row. Yeah, they've been, they've been really like hot. At, uh, at this point. And, you know, San Jose doesn't look like they're, you know, they're still winning with guys on the COVID list. Uh, so that's that's big, and then Anaheim is playing really well as too, and then Edmonton and Calgary. I don't think they're going to be stopped in that division. So if you're a team like Vegas as well as Colorado, I think you, you just got to start to get no, a, a little concern. That's a great point. I just don't see how like they're, they're still a favorite to win the West, and it's one thing you know they can obviously if they get in the playoffs with a team with, with that roster for sure. Like you, they're they're a team that nobody's going to play. But when you when you look at like the West right now, like you just mentioned, the Edmonton, Calgary, 18 points, 17 points, the Ducks, seven wins, Sharks, seven wins, Kings, seven wins, Knights, seven wins. Plus, the Knights are going to get Eichel probably later on in the season and be much better. And then you look at the Central, the division where the Avalanche are, and like I already said, wow, Blues, 18 points, 17 points, respectively, Jets, 15 points, Predators, 15 points. There's too many good teams ahead of them, and I, I don't think it's a smart bet. I mean, right now, if I if, – the central, if you're betting on the the avalanche to win the central, you're really crossing your fingers at like four teams just totally tank. Mm-hmm. And also the avalanche skyrocket. And then to win the West, that's that's now saying besides those teams, the central that the Oilers and Flames drop off. Like, could I see a drop off from the Ducks, the Sharks, the Kings? Sure. The Predators, sure. Jets, even sure. They just but there's too many upper tier teams. I, I just don't love that bet. I mean. I know it's funny because we were doing that the NHL preview with everyone, and we were just saying how nobody was, you know, everyone was afraid to pick the Avalanche because it was too chalky. But now it seems like that was probably the smart move by us by not picking them because mm-hmm. they're in a bit of a hole right now. And I mean, I don't know. Has your did you, do you think they're going to make the playoffs and go on some sort of run? Or do you think this is going to be a, a lost season? Too many expectations and not enough uh, actual, uh, you know, doing it on the ice. You know, I do think they'll make the playoffs. I, I don't. It's hard to picture them missing the playoffs. I think 
you know, there's too, you're right. There's too much talent. I, I'm with you on that. Right. I, I, it would be tough to picture them missing, but that top, I mean, Dallas isn't great, but that mm-hmm. top six there is tough. And, and I don't think Dallas or Nashville, you know, the teams that would be the odd man out in that uh, central division, they're not, they're not teams that are going to give in and just start tanking for the year. You know, yeah. Dallas is two years removed from Stanley cup appearance. So they're still, you know, they're still hanging around the bottom over there. And then um, Nashville is always competitive. So yeah. they're not, it's not like they're just going to give in to Colorado and be like, all right, we'll tank for next year. Look, you know, and we could, uh, I'll give out these bets right now. We'll move us forward to our, our bets for the weekend here. But if you're looking to place a bet on a division winner and then a conference winner, and you see the avalanche is still the favorite. I mean, the value you're going to get on like the blues of plus three sixty or the wild plus mm-hmm. three seventy to win the central. I would uh, even the jets are like 10 to one. Like, are you, I mean, I would right now personally, uh, I feel like the blues are probably the smart answer. You get a little bit better odds with the, uh, the wild of plus three seventy who are leading the central right now. Like you go throw some money on the, on the wild plus three seventy to win the central. And then looking at even like the, the, the conference winner, like the Oilers, like plus 700 to win the, to be the number one seed in the West, to win the West and, and, and to represent the West. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I think those are pretty good bets uh, to make with the team, like struggling with the, with the avalanche. So I'm giving out those. Uh, I know I said before on, on the, the pod with Dave and, and Hench that I did like the uh, Calgary Flames to beat the Ottawa Senators uh, this Sunday, uh, probably with Calgary giving a goal and a half. If you want to take the money line too, that's fine. Another game I like on Sunday, the uh, the Habs are coming to Boston to play the Bruins. Bruins are the better team. Montreal is pretty bad. Uh, one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, luckily, they have the the Coyotes to always be worse, but they're near the, the bottom of the barrel there. So I like the Bruins to, to beat the Habs up at home uh, on Sunday. Are there any other uh, games or bets you like uh, this weekend? Yeah, so one bet I do like that's not listed on Fandler right now is I think people should take a look at Leonard to win the Vesna because okay. uh, statistically Vegas is ranked close to last uh, defensively and Leonard's numbers are very good. So if they get into the playoffs and they you know Eichel comes back and everything's going full force and they they do put on a winning streak. You know, it's, some, it's something to look at. I think you'll get pretty good odds if you can find it right now. But for the weekend, um, tomorrow, I do like the Oilers minus one and a half at Buffalo at plus okay. 152. I think the wheels might be starting to come off a little bit for the people in Buffalo. So, you know, hop on now. It's, it's tough to, to bet. I think McDavid and Dreisaitl could put up. Well, they, it's not they could. They will put up another three or four points probably combined. So it's a, it's a pretty good bet, I think. Dude, that that goal, that McDavid versus the Rangers, and the Rangers are beating the Oilers, and McDavid goes through four guys. Like, it's he's so good. It's just past the point of being upset about it. You're just like, wow, I'm actually witnessing this in real time. Like, we were lucky. I'm, like, pinching myself. They were, they were watching a guy like Connor McDavid play. And like you said, yeah, him and Dry Slidal, they're going to score a bunch of points. And, again, that's why I said go place those bets now. Like, the Oil to win the uh, to, to win the West and, and their, their division. Like, you're getting awesome odds on that. And they're a great team. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think they should have on this savers but another uh good jam-packed spaghetti and meatballs there we got nh ahl we got bets we got uh you know jack eichel conspiracies uh you can't beat this uh, nhl talk but we'll uh, we'll see you next thursday great stuff spaghetti and meatballs great stuff kevin hench great stuff lance zerline earlier in the week on minus three go listen to that as he breaks down the qbs that are going to be drafted in the first round 
next spring. And of course, make sure you're listening to Extra Points with uh, Cousin Sal, Marty Weiss, and me. Um, good one out there for you with Mitchell Schwartz and another one coming up for you on Friday. Uh, lemon pepper parlay with Marty Weiss. You got waiver wire with Eddie Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti. Megan fun of sports. Did I forget any spaghetti? I think I got them all there. Great. Oh, and get into the arcade at extrapoints.com slash arcade. And, uh, you can do NFL pick them, college football pick them, uh, prop quiz, uh, prop culture quiz and so on get in there and play against us and you'll win a handsome prize for doing it and we'll talk to you after the sports weekend to try and make sense of all of it for you and look ahead to the following week until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven <laughs>